1: Hi and welcome to Influencer Marketing Talks, a podcast brought to you by Cure Media, the leading and awarded influence marketing company for fashion brands. This is your weekly podcast to learn more about consumer behavior in the digital age and of course, all things influence marketing in right around 15 minutes. I'm Frida Ekon, creative lead here at Cure Media, and today I have Chris Beer, data journalist at GWI with me. GWI is a leading audience targeting company for the global marketing industry, delivering the insights you need on your industry or audience since 2009. Today, Chris and I will chat about consumer behavior trends connected to the current economic landscape and how marketers and brands can respond, all connected to the latest data and insights. Hello and welcome to Influencer Marketing Talks, Chris. How are you today?
2: Uh, It's very nice to to be here. It's a a foggy day here in London, but yeah, look forward to talking with you.
1: Yeah, same. So before we get started and jump into the questions, can you give us an introduction to yourself and your role at GWI?
2: Yeah, sure. So my name is Chris Beer and I'm a data journalist at GWI. And GDY is a research technology company that specializes in audience insights. And we help some of the world's biggest brands and agencies get a deeper understanding of their audiences at speed. And my job as a data journalist is just to go in and mine the data for all sorts of interesting insights and trends to share with the world and people like yourself. That
1: sounds like a fun, a fun job.
2: It is, and you know, the the world's changed so much uh, in the last few years, as you know, so there's always new, unexpected trends to uncover.
1: Yeah, you must learn so much new things at work each day.
2: Yes, yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, I was feel there's all sorts of good stuff we can get into, I'm trying to think of things we've uh, seen recently, like uh, motion sickness is on the rise as people get on public transport again after COVID, that's a good trend that we stumbled on the other day.
1: Oh, wow, that's so interesting. <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah, people. You know, they've been at home for a long time. Then you're getting on the bus, getting a train every day, and your brain still needs to do a bit of adjusting. It's all, it's all new stuff. It's all impressive. Oh,
1: wow. So it, it's not that we are getting older; it's that we are getting back to.
2: <laughs> I mean, there, there may be a bit of that. Yeah, maybe, maybe it's something we ate. I don't know. We need to do more research, probably.
1: <laughs> yeah. So let's get into the questions, as I hope. All of our listeners know uh, the economic situation is a bit difficult right now, and it will be even more so in 2023. So, Chris, how do purchase motivators change during these challenging economic times? What's what does the research say?
2: So, the, I guess there's a, a simple answer here, which is is true to a large degree. Um, but as obviously people hit, see their bottom line get hit, um, you know, they might be having pay freezes. You know, they might not you know be laid off from a job or just because of inflation, not have as much disposable income as they used to. So price obviously gets a lot more important in basically any category you care to name, and people will start to trade down and look for cheaper options. But on the whole, we shouldn't make the mistake and assume that consumers are perfectly rational. So in this kind of environment that we're heading into, we're kind of in now, you know, you double down on, I think, what is one of the main marketing principles, which is you compete on value, not price. Don't get into a race in the bottom on price. So you know this value can translate in a number of ways but one thing we're seeing in our in our data that's very interesting is people taking more note from recommendations both from friends and experts i mean i guess influencers could come under that category and i think that speaks to you know it's when you're buying something in a situation chances are you're going to think about it a little bit more and lean a little bit more into you know sources that you trust essentially whether people close to you or you know just people you respect as experts so Price is obviously the main one, but there's other things going on in the background too.
1: Yeah, that, that's super interesting because I know there are a lot of brands that, you know, it's very common to cut uh, budgets on brand, on like communicating values and all those kind of things and only focus on, you know, the short term sales on uh, sales peaks. So yeah, that's super interesting that you say this and that that is how consumers react during these times.
2: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's a truism of marketing, really. That's the, the whole, you know, the whole reason, it's reason for existence is so that brands can communicate a certain value to the, the end consumer. And I think how you communicate that value becomes extra important um, in a recession because you're competing for a smaller slice of the pie, basically. But I think, yeah, the mistake that people can make is that, you know, if you, if you get involved into a race at the bottom, it can hurt you in the long run, um, you know, especially at the top end of the market, like any sort of, brand image you built up being the the premium option like it's dangerous to to lose sight of that i would say
1: yeah so people will of course hold a bit tighter onto their money and spend spend them wiser Uh, but we will still spend Uh, what drives consumers to still spend money on like things that aren't maybe survival necessary (laughs)
2: Yeah, I mean, I think you've identified a great point. I think, you know, human psychology is fairly constant, right, depending on what the economic situation is. And we we look for rewards and we look to avoid loss, I think probably to the same degree as we would, you know, if the economic picture is a bit better. So, you know, in our research, we see a lot of evidence of what's sometimes called the the lipstick effect. I mean, the, the basic idea of this principle is that, you know, during a recession or times of crisis, people buy more lipstick to, to cheer themselves up. I think it's got that name like 2001. It's been observed before, but the name's kind of a misnomer. Like it can't be anything really. Um, It's the idea that you might have a smaller treat budget, but you are going to treat yourself to something because, well, you know, the world outside just doesn't look particularly great. I mean, we saw bits of this during COVID. Um, So, I mean, a good example of this from the 2008 recession is like lingerie sales, uh, really peaked, which again, something you wouldn't necessarily think as an essential purchase, but clearly at that time, Enough people thought, well, this is something I'm going to treat myself to. And it's it's really quite an unusual situation at the, at the moment. Like, I don't think there's really a press. There's obviously many precedents for a session, but not many as soon as you come out of a pandemic. So many of the signals we're seeing in our data, they, they may be a combination of what people do in a downturn. But also, you know, I've been in lockdown for the better part of two years. Like, I'm going to go out. I'm going to spend money on appearance cosmetics. So we are seeing evidence that, that those kind of things are still in demand we, we you know we're seeing a lot of signs that clothing is still seen as a treat purchase but there's there's a long tail of things that can still apply to i mean premium chocolate is a good example Um, you might not necessarily spend the same on a meal out but you know when you're consuming food basically you still think oh, i want something nice you'll get like a premium chocolate bar like we're seeing a few brands in that category trend up in the in the uk right now and another one i mentioned is, is travel i mean given the covid context like all the signals we see that demand for travel is still really really high and people really do want to make up for lost time it was quite existential i would say for a lot of people um, not being able to travel in the last 2 years
1: yeah i agree with you and just what i hear you know from from friends and colleagues there are a lot of people that still want to travel or want to you know shop uh, the more maybe premium stuff but maybe you pull in on i don't know bring a food box to to work so that you can go out for dinner on saturday or, or yeah so we compromise, but we're still up for you know um living life
2: <laughs> yeah yeah and it is, there's plenty of examples where you're you're trading down to a certain degree but it's still similar similarities so again another thing we saw in 2008 recession we expect to see again is yeah you might have gone out um you know every every week two weeks to a restaurant and spent i don't know like however much on the check size there and you still think well i want to do that but you go to a fast food place you think well i'm not bothered about the calories today like i don't want to cook and you're spending less but in your mind it's still the same psychology of like i'm not bothered about cooking for myself i'm going to spend a little bit more on some kind of indulgence some kind of reward
1: yeah that's so interesting and we talked a bit about brands uh, pulling the brakes on especially marketing budgets and specific areas within their marketing what risks do brands face when reducing marketing spend
2: yeah so th- there's been a, a lot of research on this and again uh, much of it came from the last recession it's, and it's been studied in quite a lot of detail and the you know the research does show that it's the firms that tend to slash their marketing budgets particularly you know, fast and deep, and do panic moves basically that tends to tend to do the worst and you know obviously i I appreciate I have to caveat the caveat at the center that I'm not a budget holder like I've never been in that position like I'm a researcher. It's very easy for me to to say these things, but certainly the the risk that you run with that kind of approach is basically that people forget about you. And it can be very easy to forget sort of now in the situation that we're in. But, you know, recessions are kind of like pandemics in that they do end eventually. It's just a mathematical certainty. Like you do get to a different um, economic picture eventually. And so if you imagine someone who goes into the recession now and, you know, they're thinking like, oh, I can't buy that car that I wanted to. Like I can't put away enough money, can't afford it, whatever. Like three or four years time, they will come to make that decision. And if you're if you've not been top of mind in the meantime, or just, you know, available to some degree, they're not going to have you in mind when they go and make that decision. So that's the biggest risk fundamentally. It's just that people forget about you. And we overlook that at our peril in the marketing world. The other is that it's often during times of downturn that, you know, necessity is the mother invention. Right. So you get sort of new categories. You just get new behaviors emerge in the market, new businesses. So, again, a good example from the last session is, is Airbnb. Like I I can't remember exact timeline of when it was set up, but it became popular, you know, after 2008 because suddenly it was a much more affordable way to uh, stay abroad. Basically, like you didn't have to pay premiums to hotels; you could just go and stay in someone's home, and it became very very relevant. But it was a new category that emerged from that situation. So again, if you're slashing budgets, you might miss out on some of that changing behavior. And yeah, it's it all speaks to the fact that there is a certain long term focus you need to have, and. Obviously, you can't probably can't do everything you wanted to in the in the good years. To put it that way, but you can't completely go dark either because you know there's a reason why marketing advertising exists and it's to get you known in front of the consumer. And the more you withdraw from that, the more they forget about you.
1: Yeah, it's so interesting to talk about you know the new behaviors uh, that new companies arise, uh, and it would be interesting to see like with technology and a lot of like new things like metaverse popping up what will happen Mm. like during 2023 no one knows like in a year from now uh, we might have new big companies um, that have leveraged on these behaviors
2: yeah and you've got to think as well i mean this is projecting forward a little bit but you know we've got a lot of uh, people have been laid off from some of the big tech firms like these are creative people they might set up their own (laughs) businesses like they might create their own things that you don't know there's such a a lot of clever people out there who might have more time capability capabilities on their hands think, well, let me try this new thing and it, it takes off. So you never know.
1: Yeah, it would be interesting to see. Definitely. So consumers have less money, but they're still w- willing to spend in certain amounts. So how can brands still market their products or services, but without appearing insensitive to the struggles that consumers are facing?
2: So, yeah, I I think this is one of the most interesting things um, about a recession is that I think, you know, they're as much cultural as they are economic by, you know, by which I mean, that you know, I'm not mean that culture doesn't go down, but like they have a sort of cultural side to them that goes alongside what's happening in the real world, you know, in terms of, you know, people having less income, like perhaps losing their jobs, you know, culture starts to reflect that. And again, I think there's... Variants clues you can get from 2008, and that that was a bit of a special case because obviously there was a, a lot of um, resentment to the banks basically into the financial world. But there was a general feeling, I'm I'm sure you remember this, like that luxury became a lot more subdued. Like it wasn't really about you know flashy logos anymore and going out and showing that you were flaunting this wealth. People were still spending that money. It was still going to that brands, but you know logos might be you know I think hidden on the physical products like there's more in the way of luxury experiences so you're not standing out showing off in front of people like we're seeing a lot of this in our data at the moment in the US like in basically every category there's trends where people just don't want to stand out as much and I think that's the interesting thing is for me it's not so much the appearing insensitive it's like realize that let's say you know you're doing okay like you're still in your job but like friends around you might be losing theirs like you don't necessarily want to see you know stand out too much compared to them like you don't want to seem insensitive to them right so you might go and spend your money but you don't want to be like splashing it on social media like showing it off and all this kind of stuff so again I think the last session in the UK we had this big thing I'm sure you're familiar like the keep calm and carry on Like during our austerity years. So, and it became like a, like beyond a meme, basically. It was like a huge thing. But I think it really spoke to something in that culture that people perceived in themselves some sense of, you know, solidarity or just a feeling that you make the best of a bad situation. It's kind of deep rooted in British culture, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think we will see parts of that uh, develop in 2023. So, again, another example I was seeing in our data is in car buying. So, people less bothered like you know measurably becoming less bothered about their cars being a status symbol so whereas a year ago they might have thought oh, i've been in lockdown all this time saved up a bit of money i want this new shiny red car that makes me look impressive now they're like oh actually i don't want to buy something that's more expensive to uh, to run than it is to buy like and i also you know it's going to look a bit weird in the drive if other people are going through this stuff so i think that's the the main way to summarize it, it's I guess obviously there's a sensitivity element to it, but it's more like imagine the consumer it's level of sensitivity, the situation around them. It's like recognize that people don't actually want to be seen as being quite indulgent and you know spending loads to the people around them in that kind of environment.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. A lot of sense now that you say it. Um, it's interesting how humans behave. I think there's a lot of like psychological aspects that you don't think about yourself because you're so yeah it's in your head <laughs> it's hard to like look at it from from another angle
2: yeah and i think it's you know i think there's something about certainly this stage of recession where you know when you start to see the you know the dashboard light up right things like you know economies are contracting like jobless numbers might be going up But i think it's easy to assume that everything kind of follows a mathematical principle that like people scale down their spending in proportion to everything but you know we're like we are we are irrational beings right like you know we spend psychologically we don't spend with that perfect intent and you get do get these interesting quirks that pop up uh, especially in you know because we are social animals as well in the age of social media how you appear to everyone else becomes so much more important
1: yeah yeah what it would be uh, everyone would have uh, a lot of money if we spent only you know from the brain and not from the from the heart i think
2: true true
1: Okay, so summarizing the insights you've shared today, Chris, what would be your top three advice for brands to still be able to connect with consumers in the economic climate that we are facing?
2: Sure thing. So I, I guess the first one would be the, the sort of thing we, we just said. It's that, I guess you could call it discrete luxury. It's like in the way that people might still be spending money, but like I don't think they want other people to perceive them as doing so. So you know, find ways to enable that without making people feel like they stand out and they're there to be cut down i think that and the second one is more of like a is a step before that if you like it's like segmenting the market based on you know some people you know will be in a poor financial situation they're going to cut basically all discretionary spending because they have to but there will be segments of the market that will still splash out occasionally and that, you know there will be some people who basically aren't affected for whatever reason and they i wouldn't say they continue spending as normal because there are the psychological elements but it's like make sure that you split the market into those different groups and come up with different tactics for each of them. And I think the third point I would say is understand that some priorities will be dropped or like consumers will reprioritize during that time, obviously, because it's a great incentive to do so. And I think, you know, this could be summed up by the change that happened earlier this year that P&G did. I can't remember exactly, but I think their company mantra before was essentially about doing good before achieving growth. And it was all part of their move to brand purpose. Whereas now it's um, achieve growth to do good. And they flipped it around. And I think consumers make a similar equation. It's like, okay, you know, it's, it's a nice to have if your brand is doing good things to the environment or if you're doing stuff on social justice. But the reality is, you know, I need something a bit more direct from you and they'll probably be less swayed by that kind of thing.
1: Great insights. Uh, Chris, big thanks for guesting this episode and sharing your expertise. It was so fun to have you here.
2: Uh, no problem. Thanks very much for having me.
1: And this brings us to the end of another episode of Influence Marketing Talks. If you want to continue staying up to date on our weekly podcast episodes, influence marketing content, and what's up on the consumer marketing scene, make sure you follow us on our platforms at Cure Media. And also to not miss another episode of this podcast, make sure you hit that subscribe button.